Welcome to the Mary D Show. I'm your host, Mary D, here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from top CEOs, thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. My intention is to bring you value in every show that sparks an idea, helps you break a limiting belief, or creates thoughts that uplevel your life so that you can know from the deepest depths of your soul that everything you want is available to you and that abundance is your birthright. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer, holistically after surgery, without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and exploring spirituality and what it means to be in relationship with Source so that we can feel whole and complete no matter what life throws at us. My specialty in the business world is strategy and leadership, and my gift to each of you is my ability to listen so that I can help others see themselves. In each episode, I want to sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone, and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most purposeful and joy-filled life now and enjoy the show. Thanks for joining us today on the Mary D Show. As a very fun intermission, I'm going to have my good friend, Mike Budney, who I've known since he was 18. And I was in my, I'm just going to say early 20s. I'm not going to disclose. (laughs) We've been friends a very, very long time. I've had the privilege of being Mike's best man at his wedding, putting together his bachelor party, being part of his 21st birthday party. Gosh, so many memories. I've watched you raise two children. We have worked together many, many times over the years. And I would say that if there's anyone on this planet that knows me really well, you are definitely one of them. I'm going to let Mike take over the show today. And he's actually going to interview me so that all of you can get to know me a little bit better. Yeah, let's rock and roll. Thank you, Mary. A wonderful. I appreciate that. And yeah, what a pleasure it is actually to be on this line with you. Uh, we were just reminiscing right before we jumped right into this. And yeah, it's now it's coming up just over 20 years we've known each other. And these have been the most pivotal years of my life. Yeah. The whole There's just no compa- Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the way I was raised and my upbringing and my environment, very sheltered and, and in a particular vein, grew up Catholic. And then kind of having my doors blown open and getting to realize what the real world is all about in, in an environment that was a little bit harsher and knowing you at that time and our friendship in all the different ways it's evolved has been nothing short of like you being an angel in my life in so many Aww. aspects. Thank you. And then there's always been something special about you. And I think that's there's something about you as a whole that if I were to interview hundreds of people that know you, that have encountered you, that would probably all share the similar vein in that. There's something about Mary and it's, it's about your energy. It's about how you show up. It's your laughter. But let me just say for anybody who hasn't had the opportunity to get to meet you one-on-one in person and get you rubbing off on them, what I've gotten to see you do in these last 20 plus years has been nothing short of amazing because I've watched you walk into some of the most intimidating scenarios with A-type personalities, ego-driven scenarios. You've played this role of coming in and handling a situation and disarming the people in it to allow for there to be deals to be made, flow to occur, like reason to be had in otherwise what would be completely unreasonable scenarios. And I think you, like the, what I felt about you this and the, the upside I've gotten in my life from you is not just a near and dear friend, which you've always been, and a confidant, someone I could share just everything that I would never want the world to know about me, <laughs> my greatest fears and insecurities, to a mentor 
you have been probably the most influential mentor in my life in terms of wow. at the moments where I've needed guidance and, a, and even a tough hand. Mm. You've been there for me. And I've watched you do this, not just for me, but for so many others, because one of your gifts has been allowing there to be space for, for people to feel, I think, instant trust in you mm. and be able to make that you know, just so all of a sudden now we're talking about things we would never openly share with anybody. And we don't know why we're saying these things. Thank you. You have that ability to do that. Beyond that is you've been able to do it in a way that lands and it sticks. Be, uh, that's unique because and from my vantage point, you've been able to listen, create this space and then have a, the proper sequence of which you communicate from, which is acknowledgement. I hear you. Mm. And then a, a way of relating to it. Relation again. And then in comes some tough love. Mm, thank you. But properly peppered in a way that the message gets received, I feel. If you're open to hearing anything. If you're open, yeah. There's something in that, Mary, that I want to tell you that like that you exude and embody. And honestly, through this last 20 years that I've known you and met you, you really haven't changed. Like, that's not something you've learned recently mm. or have figured out. I mean, you, you, I'm sure you've gotten better at it over time, but it's who you are and it's how you show up. So it's, I, I think I've always think, thought of you as not in, in what you do, which you can do amazing things in any organization, in any relationship, but it's the way you are being mm. that makes, I think, the biggest difference because of how and who wants to be around you and, and bring you into what they're doing. So I just wanted to say, that, you know, while I'm staying a little bit ethereal in what I'm, what I'm uh, speaking to, I think this is a shared experience for most people encountering you mm. and the impact you make because of that, creating that space and be able to do that. It's such a unique thing. I've never seen anybody do it. You're one of the one of my favorite people to be able to introduce or share with others that I know that you can make an impact with because you dance this line so well. So mm. uh, thanks for creating a space for us to have this conversation. And thank you for obviously the 20 years of our evolved relationship and the ups and downs of my life. And you've always <laughs> been a rock for me mm. to lean on in so many ways. It's hard to even share, but I know that when I say this, that anybody that's had an experience with you, Mary, can relate in their own way uh, just because of how you show up. So, Oh, Mike, thank you. Oh, my gosh. You're going to make me cry just starting off the bat. That was such a beautiful acknowledgement. And I'm, uh, I'm soaking it all in. <laughs> it, no, but it's who you are. And the other part of you that if you haven't met Mary personally, but you've been in the same room with her, one thing you will have picked up is her laughter. <sighs> and it's something about Mary's laughter where you can echolocate where she is in a room. And you know, that's where you got to kind of make your way to if you want to have some fun. So tell us a little bit about like how, where did these, these traits and these ways of showing up in relationship? I, I always proverbially called you one of the guys at the table and probably the guy with the biggest balls at the table. Because you not, not to me in any other way than, than you, the way you carried yourself in those scenarios, you didn't, you were able to not just hang with the guys, the guys looked at you for confidence and for inside and for, for security in terms of what they trusted. Mm -hmm. You, you just had a way of how you carry yourself that to me, I just, I, I looked up to so strongly and was, it was trying to figure out and decode, like, how can I do that? How can <laughs> I, I'm going to carry myself in such a way. Uh, it almost seems effortless. So do you know what I'm saying when I say that? And can you, can I you do, I do, I get it. I definitely get it. And that's, it's, it's really nice, especially at this point in my life to hear certain themes echoed to me. Right. And I feel like you're also one of those people who've been so magnificent and echoing things back to me. And I think from the lens of also someone who gets insight from me, because in the same way, I trust you. We're friends. You know, all of my deepest, darkest, you know, secrets and 
been there all the all through all of my ups and downs and ins and outs. And I think it's fascinating to hear that from you, but also also receive that reflection from others too. So I say to myself, okay, there's a theme here. And so back to your question, which is, hey, how how do you be? How do you be this way? Like, what is this? I couldn't explain it to you other than I know what my human design is. Uh, if you've studied human design at all, I'm a projector. And according to my design, I'm here to guide. This sounds so conceited, but it's literally how it's laid out. It's called the exemplary human. So I'm actually here to have experiences and then be invited to share them. And as I'm invited to share them for those that are willing to listen, then they are going to be able to get some wisdom. They're going to get a new perspective shift. They're going to get that aha that they need to move into whatever it is that they need to move into. Migration is the official term of it, but it's whatever they need to migrate into. So maybe they need to migrate into being a better leader, migrate into being a better parent, migrate into being a better just friend. So those are all the advantages I have just by my design. So I really have to give a shout out to God for that one, because (laughs) I don't know that I picked that. And some people might say I did, but that is part of my design. And uh, I was doing my gene keys, which I I know you're a fan of as well. And it was interesting to also integrate that into my human design and say, oh, I'm also my gift is actually listening. That is actually my ultimate gift. That's kind of my pearl. It's my, my thing. And I was like, oh, okay, got it. And that's part of the gift. It's being able to listen and to hear what people are saying that they're actually not saying out loud, right? right. So I'm reading between the lines. I'm watching the body language. I'm yeah. Sometimes if I have the insight of the person, then I can also go, oh, they're seeing this from a different lens. And then let me show them that there's some other lenses here that they can see this through. And also just being someone who is full of joy. Again, very naturally my baseline. I didn't have to like fight to get to a joyous baseline. My mom would even tell you like, I was always an easygoing kid. I was, you know, mad for two seconds and then I was done. My sister once (laughs) cut my hair. She was trying to get my hair straight and I had a really long hair, like down to my butt, you guys. And my sister's trying to cut my hair and it's just getting shorter and shorter and shorter until finally it's up to my ears. And I look like a boy. I look like the prince from the Smurfs. I don't even, I think it was Prince Johan or something like that, but it's like this bowl cut. And that's exactly what I looked like. And I remember looking in the mirror and I was like, oh, I look like a boy. And then my mom said, I just kind of looked at myself for a couple minutes. And then I was like, all right, well, I don't like it. And I walked away. And that was, she said, I never said a word about it again. I was just done. I, I needed to process it for a couple minutes. And then I was like, all right, I guess it's going to grow back on my way. What can I do about it? Right. And it's just the insight of, of knowing that some things are out of my control. You know, the hair's going to grow back. And I think that's the part where I see people in general get stuck mm-hmm. in life. And that's one of the ways where I, I feel like I'm unstuck because I don't go, oh, everything is so permanent. Like I hear people say, oh, I want to move across the country and they make it sound like it's so permanent. And I'm like, right. well, well, why are you commiserating? Like, make the move, make the plan, make the move. If you love it, then great, you stay. If you don't like it, you pivot, right? Or if you you're don't want to take that big of a risk, then go stay for a couple months, go Airbnb it, figure out if you like the area, yeah. figure out what you want, and then come back and make the move. But everyone treats every next move like it's so permanent. And I'm like, mm. this is like a big playground. Like we get to be here, we get to play. So dive in a little bit. Yeah, well, let's let's talk about that actually for a second because I think there's something underneath the hesitation of 
that permanence and that maybe internal resistance that gets created in that. And I'm sure it's, it's over big things and even small things. How much of that is them getting in their own way? Uh, and what do you, what do you see? What's underneath that? So I think it's different things for different people. Like in the scenario of moving, you might have a person who is in their environment that they're familiar with, right? So anytime we're in familiarity, it's comfortable. And so getting out of familiar territory requires us to be uncomfortable. And I am a firm believer that the biggest growth always happens in those very uncomfortable moments. It's why we, we tell kids they have growing pains when they're like, oh, I'm sore here. Or when a baby's crying because they're teething, they are having literal growing pains. But it's in those moments of discomfort that they are actually growing. They're literally getting teeth so they can chew food one day. They're literally growing arms and legs longer and muscles and all the things that they need to to form. And that's the part that I feel like we're so short-sighted on sometimes is we want a pill, we want a quick fix for everything so it doesn't have to hurt. And it's Mm. like, what would happen if we actually started to get more comfortable with a little discomfort? And then I think we would have the moments where we can lean into those and go, why is this showing up? Whether it's adversity, whether it's those decisions that we create in our own mind, which for many people, I think is where the battle is really happening. It's not the situation it's how they're perceiving it. It, it yeah it's huge right it's that it's the uh, idea of it and that illusory imagined thing and look i think a good part of at least our first 10 to 15 years of our relationship was me learning how to expand my horizons being thrown into a lot of uncomfortable situations for me and i think you have been a good shepherd of that for me in terms <laughs> of now I'm, I'm not the kind of person who wants to be around a lot of people I do well in small circumstances. I love being around small groups, but put, put you know, uh, more than 50 people in a room and I just, I energetically, I just, I feel uncomfortable and insecure. And that's been something I've had to face and, and look at and experience. And I, and, and there's a lot of scenarios, you know, even bigger or smaller from that, that just the natural sense of like, oh my gosh, this is scary, or I'm afraid of this, or I don't want to do this is so such a natural default. And I feel like you are the opposite of that. Like you're a, you're a adventure. Uh, I don't want to say the word junkie because that's not fair, <laughs> but, no, but, you're, but you're somebody seeking and asking and never really uh, uh, veering away from any kind of opportunity and adventure. And I think that there's something in that, the way I've seen you navigate those things from trips and events to putting yourself in rooms with p- the right people mm. that you just, you, you continually show up to that. I think for me, and I think a lot of people like me would look at is that's scary or that's, that is way uncomfortable. Yeah, you, so good. What would you say to somebody that is maybe on that line of not wanting to push themselves in that way or not not sure how to approach it? Yeah, I think first let, let's address the like going back to your example of how getting in a room is uncomfortable, right? It's because I think naturally, at least the, during your earlier years, you were definitely a little more introverted. Now, what I found interesting is when I met you, you were doing sales. And so watching you at a table, I remember seeing so much potential in you because I was like, oh, gosh, this guy's young and he doesn't know that he that he's actually really good yet because you just (laughs) didn't have the confidence because you hadn't done it enough times. You were like, "Okay, let me kind of follow the script here. Let me do what this, you know, my coach is telling me to do because I've got to make these sales and I understand how to explain what we do. And I'm upbeat and I'm friendly. So those things were natural for you. And I think watching that evolution of you is great too, because I definitely don't feel like you're that same 
18 no. year old at all. <laughs> I, I believe in the full potential of people being able to change. I know I, who I was in high school and emerging out of high school is mm. not. I, that person was very scared, no self-esteem and, and just very a lot of shame and guilt carried around. So to go back to the seed of the question of like, yeah. where does all this come from? So much of showing up in life and showing up boldly has to do actually with working that courage muscle of mm. being able to put aside some shame and guilt and be okay with falling down, even if you do it in front of other people. I have literally tripped over my flip-flops on stage. <laughs> it's like not, not flip-flops. I think I made a bad foot choice of sandals and I literally like stumbled. I can see up the I, I, the mental image of you doing oh, that. Actually it came was my not graceful at all. And you know what? I didn't make a big deal of it. I laughed for a second and I got right back up and walked on stage and finished my talk. And that was it. And you know, what's so yeah. funny is after that, no one actually remembered the stumble ever That's remembered right. the inspiration from the talk. And that was funny yeah. to me inside because I went, I didn't make a big deal of it and either did anybody else. Mm. And that's the biggest mm. lesson I've learned from guilt and shame is, you know what? I'm going to lean in because I know I am not the only person on the planet that is experiencing guilt or shame in any given area of life. I still remember the moment when I said, I am done with this. And it was, mm. I was married when I was 22 years old. That's right. I'd been dating him since I was 19. And our families were very, like, they were just on us about, we should be married and like, we shouldn't be living in sin because we were having sex. Like it was just this whole thing. And it wasn't truly about, do you love each other? And do you want to build a life together? And are you That's compatible? Right. Do you have the compatibility or the are you willing to make the compromises that might happen within that if you're the actual substance of a meaningful, of a meaningful relationship? relationship. Yeah. yeah, it was. No one asked us those questions. It was <laughs> the bigger thing was like, don't live in sin because, you know, you might be not in the hell. eyes of the Lord. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was the first piece of like taking on my my mother's shame because she also didn't mm. want me to show up as, at church yeah. with the boyfriend that. I was clearly sleeping with, but I wasn't married. How does that to. reflect upon her? Exactly. And exactly. So now it's her mm. shame. So now I'm taking it on. That was like, okay, I guess it's the next natural step. So we got married and it was just, it was a hot, hot mess. He ended up being like an alcoholic and without us splitting up, I don't think he would have realized that he ended up going to like AA. There's so many beautiful things that came out of that. Mm. But the one thing was I was driving down the freeway. And we had gone to counseling. It wasn't working. And I'm driving to my car and I said, God, you either got to kill him or you have to make me love him because I just don't see a way out of this. Mm. And because divorce wasn't supposed to be an option. Yeah. And it felt so hard. And then I stopped myself and I was like, why did I make the decisions that I made? And really unpacking that with myself, I was like, oh, because of shame, because of guilt because of all of these beliefs that were passed on to me that I decided could be my beliefs. And the moment I decided to let go of them was the moment I was just so free. And I said, okay, I got it now. I got it now. I am done making decisions out of guilt, out of shame, and out of scarcity. And the scarcity one I ended up adding in later because I noticed that anytime I made a decision out of scarcity, that was also where I made bad decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Versus trying to make decisions from a place of power, which is hard to do when you're in a tough yeah. situation. I mean, I've been through breast cancer. I've been through a lawsuit with the FTC. Those at the same time, 
yeah. a dog dying. I mean, this is all these things happening to me at one time. It's like, okay, but who am I in this moment? And can I yeah. make a decision? What's the most, what is the most powerful energetic aligned place I can make a decision from right now? And that's mm. the difference. That was the difference. And it's the same with walking into those rooms with CEOs yeah. and A-type personalities that you've seen me walk into. My advantage is I am a woman. So sometimes people would say that's a disadvantage. But actually, when you are a woman walking into a room full of men or super, a super masculine room, like I'm also very feminine. So I can lean in and I'm also very nurturing. So I can lean in and, yeah. and say, let me bring you in and show you that I'm not scary. I'm definitely here to, to get things done, but I'm also not going to be scare, a scary person to deal with, right. but probably assertive. And like, I want to listen to you. I want to hear you. And I'm very fair. And at the end of the day, that's Definitely. what I want people to feel is like, I'm fair. You can trust me. And now let's have an open conversation about what you really want or what we need to be talking about and get stuff done. So I think that's part yeah. of it. And I'm just not scared to hop in there and ask questions. I'm a natural. I'm naturally very mm -hmm. curious. So when you talk about my sense of adventure, that is definitely yep. a huge theme for me because I'm willing to go first. I'm willing. I took a walk with a friend the other day. Super hot doctor, by the way. I'll just, I'll just <laughs> say side that. Note. Yeah, side note. So I'm being cool. We take a hike. I'm literally walking through and we get to this place where it's been so much rain that there's a stream and someone's put like a log over it. And I'm yep. like, no yep. problem. I got this. I start walking. <laughs> I literally get to the end and I lose my balance and I fall oh. into the water. Oh, oh I am soaked. All, all of the back of me is just soaking wet. And all I can do is laugh because I'm like, I am just so uncool right now. But you know what? Like, I'm here with my friend. We're having a good time. And and oh, well, I fell in the water. And we got <laughs> up and we laughed about it. And then he was like, no problem. I'll hook you up with some dry clothes. And it was just a fun interaction. And I was like, and you know what? Nothing's lost. Still great yeah. friends, still having a good time. And this is life. I'm just, I'm not afraid to take a fall because I know I can get right back up. This, I love that you brought that up, every part of it, because I think this is the essence of why I'm definitely attracted to you as a friend and a mentor and just the person I want to have in my life. Is it's the way, it's a being of how you show up in life and it, that, that says yes. It mm. says yes to, I'm going to do this thing. You know, hey, I fall off the log. I, I, I get wet. I fall off the stage. I'm laughing harder than anybody else. And there's something about just like the joy of like, hey, it doesn't matter. It, it like there's something about not really looking at the game as high stakes anymore in, in a lot of the decisions because it doesn't you're not in control of what's ultimately going to happen at the end of the day, but you're going out there and you're doing it and you're going to have fun regardless. Right. And there's something about that that's you embody that. And there's something about being around people that embody that and live that that gives other people, I think, permission. Yes. Permission to go, oh shit, I can do that. You mean I can just show up and have a good, like, every, like I can get out of here and actually just yeah. be, be in it and yes. doing it. And it's not always going to be perfect, but I'm going to, it's going to be fun as hell anyways. That's right. That's and there's right. Something about that that you exude so damn well, but it's the permission part that, it, that resonates with me. It's like the, because you're doing it. And that's that, uh, what was the characteristic that you brought up that you said was a little bit that might come across as, oh, the exemplary human. To me, that's the embodiment of that, of like, it's permission. It's, it's you, it's you leading by example yeah. only to show that, Hey, this is a lot of fun and you can do it too. And that's it's right. okay to break free from all that concern and mental chatter or whatever it is that's preventing you or hesitating you or making you double second guess yourself. 
in yes. that big or small thing. Yes. And I, you do it though so well. Thank you. Thank you. I was going to say my favorite quote is, I am not afraid to try anything twice. <laughs> I believe you have to do it one time just to get it out of the way and be like, yep. what was that? Was that okay? Maybe, maybe not. And then the second time, you know, you're like, oh no, that's delicious. Or yeah, no, still not, not great. Not, pa- I'm yeah, passing on yeah, that. Confirmed. Confirmed. Yeah. Exactly. And that is part of treating life like a great experiment mm. and a playground versus yes. this place where it's like, I have to be perfect. I have to to walk on eggshells because I think perfection was probably one of the things I had to learn to get out of. Definitely that I was in that zone of like, okay, things have to be perfect. And now I'm like, "Mm -mm, nothing needs to be perfect. We have a mutual friend, Deanna, and, you know, she's definitely more driven by a pattern and she's she likes things in a certain order. And I remember I I had this uh, I can't remember what the thing was called. It's it takes the fur out of the uh, the bottom coat of your dog. So it, it a Furminator. It was a Furminator. <laughs> so I have this Furminator and I am just all over the place on my dog. I'm like a little bit on the behind, a little yeah. bit here on the chest. And I'm just, I'm not doing it in any particular order. And it is driving her nuts. She was like, no, no, <laughs> we have to do this like in order, in layers, you know? Yeah, there's, like, a, there's a rhyme in a way. Yes, and there's a, a way. Yeah. But I was like, no, this is, uh, first off, we're, this is the first time I'm doing it. So of course there's so much hair. It does not matter. I could go, I could be, yeah. in, you know, every different kind of pattern and I'm still going to get yeah. a lot of hair every time right. I, I run this brush. So it was a funny thing to me to watch that and go, oh, that's so interesting. And I actually really admire people that have the discipline to, to be very like formal with things because they, I feel like they are, are the people in the world that get lots of things done very, very efficiently. And I, I'm, I'm fairly efficient as well, but I will say that that is also, it's a gift and an insight. It's just also learning not to get so caught up in that level of perfection and mm. in that level of requiring a pattern or requiring that discipline to where it owns you. And I think that's the other thing too, Mike, that's really important for people to hear is in everything, like when people are like, oh, is wealth good or bad? Is having stuff good or bad? Is uh, getting up and having a perfect morning routine, good or bad, is getting up with the sun, good or bad. People are so busy with good or bad. And right. the thing I would say to that is stop looking at everything as good and bad, first off. Right. Change it to, can I be curious about this? And so if it's a morning routine, does that morning routine serve you or are you a slave to it? And the same with wealth. Does that wealth serve you or are you a slave to it? And that's the big the big question. I think that's easy for people to step into their day or their purchase or how they're showing up in their life. And if the your car and your house all own you, that's right. then that's where you might want to sit back and go, hmm, okay, time to make some different shifts in my life. And that's yeah. the part that I think is for me a big piece of the detachment of those types of things. I love my home, but you know what? If I was called to leave or if something happened and I would need to move places, I would just go, okay, thanks for this beautiful experience and this beautiful time that I've had here. And now it's time for a new journey and a new experience that I'm going to anticipate can be even better than what this has been for me. So I think that's the other part of it too. It's just the optimism. I've seen you do that really well where it's almost like there's just an acceptance and then there's a, all right, well, what's, what, how does it, how is it going to get better from here? Almost like almost the assumption of that is just nested in it. Yeah. I think it it comes back to you as a child with the ability to just 
let things go. Like you're like you're staring at yourself in the mirror with a bowl cut. <laughs> I gotta say, you're an outlier that you didn't go ape shit screaming and crying and all kinds of stuff that that most normal kids would would just not be able to so you know create a you processing that damn near instantly and being able to just handle it. Like there's something in that for those that don't have that. Because mm-hmm. I I don't have that. Like that's to me, any act of releasing, surrendering, letting go is uh, is a practice that mm-hmm. I that's not easily come to and that I have to con- like anytime I get swept up in something, I have to remind my I have to remind myself to bring myself back in and I have to go, okay, I'm okay with letting this go. And we'll, we'll look at the grip this has on me. This this is telling me something and it's a gift for that reason, yes. if nothing else. Yes. It's a process and it's it didn't come. I certainly not as a kid had it, but and and, and I don't know if I have it now, but I'm practicing. <laughs> so for those that don't have that and they are more in the camp of perhaps Deanna in, in a sense of wanting to have things. I don't want to use the word control, but what, knowing Deanna and my my relation to and my own ability where that would come in for me is controlling, controlling my environment, controlling my mm-hmm. situation. Sure. And there's something about releasing that control, even if it, it could be, you know, you could be vulnerable or it could be, you know, something in there that's scary. What, do, what would you say? Oh, so good. So control keeps us safe. That's control is clear. So it's just a safety mechanism. And we all do it in some way, shape or form. And for good reason, because mm. we want to create safety for ourselves. It's one of the very right. natural, like, Elements of being human. Yeah. So the human yeah. need to, to, yeah. to feel safe. When we have to examine that level of control is when, when it's no longer serving us mm-hmm. right? or when it is keeping us from being able to move forward. And that's why I said this is where control or perfection, whatever you want to call it, that's when we have to go, okay, now let me take time to surrender to what I cannot control. And we keep moving forward, right? We get up. We, yeah. we just fell in the water. Now we're getting up. No, no, okay, so let's stick with control for a minute because I'm sure I'm not alone with having control issues. And <laughs> and it, so for those of us that that do want to, you know, you know, it, we think, you know, we can always justify from, from a control perspective the the need for it, right? And the, yeah. the, like if if it, if it's gonna happen, it's gonna be up to me, or I, I'm there's a standard I need to set, or it's gonna sure. be a certain way, or sure. that perfectionist lens, right? Sure. What would be a way for me to start becoming more aware of that control and even intercepting it at times from your vantage point of seeing how it, how that level of control can negatively impact what someone says they want? Yeah. And get stuck in that. What would what would be some some practicality of like leaning in and moving forward towards addressing that if 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 control is is something that's a, a an overarching device? So no matter what, no matter if it's control, perfection, insecurity, uh, feeling triggered, feeling activated, whatever you want to call it. And I'll also say that it's not that I don't need to process or that I don't process. I am absolutely a person who processes. I've just learned to process a lot faster. And my natural place is to process something. And you got to remember too, like back to the haircut, the hair clearly wasn't super high value for me. Because it only took me a couple minutes in the mirror to process what was happening. It's short, but it's going to grow back and move on. Mm. In other things in life, it's not always that easy. And I don't, I don't want to make people right. think that it's just oh so easy for me. I'm so naturally that way. No, I've actually have had to work on this. And I'll give you an example of this. I had a client that was breaking up with me. And he did it in the shittiest way. 
And I got off the call and I remember sitting with myself and I was starting to get angry because Mm. I was upset in how he showed up. I was upset in the words that he used. Right. And I was very confused because we've been working together for over a year. And I'm like, oh, this is super weird to me. My inner self, my immediate reactionary self wanted to reach through the phone and punch him in the face. (laughs) And if you know me, I like I don't want to punch anybody in the face. But in that moment, I literally wanted to punch him in the face. And I sat with myself for a little bit and I said, you know what? I need to sit with this. I need Mm. to sit with this. And is anything that he said true? Is anything Mm. that he said true? Of anything that's making me feel activated, anything that's coming up. And then what do I know of this person really? Okay, because I've known this, I've worked with this person a long time, know them intimately. I naturally become very good friends with the people I work with also. So know them intimately. And I said, this is number one out of character. And when have I seen this behavior show up before? I've seen it show up before when he was in scarcity. Okay, got it. Why is he showing up in scarcity? Oh, I got it. Because he made a big purchase that he's uncomfortable with, but he did it and now it's done. And now he's scrambling. And that's where some of these other words are coming from. And he doesn't know how to have a aligned conversation that just says vulnerably, I made a bad decision. And can we make some pivots? Can we make some changes in this, this, that, or the other? So that was me processing. And also, is there any where in there that anything that was, was there any constructive feedback in that? And I had to sit with it a little bit and I was like, no, sometimes that answer right. might be yes. In that situation, it was no. You had to be prepared to even swallow totally. that, that pill of, hey, you know, where's my part of this Absolutely. that I have to own? Absolutely. Yes. Or is there, and I'm just, is there? I actually need to take proper accounting of this situation. Correct. Correct. And that's right. Yeah, sitting with that was a lot. I saw him maybe like two weeks later at an event and I was still mad at him. I really was. And I wanted to have a clearing conversation, but I was still upset. He still hadn't said anything to me. And then I saw him about a month after that. And then we were sitting together, gets me a drink. We're meeting friends. We're meeting business associates. And then that night, Mm. when everyone cleared out, I said, hey, can we have a quick clearing conversation? Because I really have been wanting to have this conversation with you. And I've had to sit with it a little bit. And in him saying, yes, of course, having the conversation, what I said was, hey, my experience of you was that this is not how you normally show up, but my experience of you was really hurtful. And here's why. And I gave him the reasons and I laid it out for him so he could see it. And then I said, and there could be a pattern here because here's some other examples that have also shown up. And I don't know those intimately enough. I've only been a third party kind of watching from the distance. And I know what you've said to me. And now that I've had an experience with you, I can see where those other people might've been coming from. So that was really great because I feel like that conversation gave us the opportunity to mend our relationship. And also he apologized. And he said, yes, we got off that call and I felt terrible. I felt like that didn't go, did not go the way I thought it was gonna go. He's like, I'm bad at these conversations. And I was like, thank you for acknowledging that. All right. Hugs, friends, off to the races we go. But those moments help you deepen those relationships or they let you know that those relationships were just for a season and you move on from them. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's something I think you've also done a really great job of is is being able to be in situations that by all intensive accounts, like bridges could be and should be maybe burned. Mm. And the way I've seen you navigate them, I can I've seen you have people come back into your life that for me, I'm like, man, I don't know if I'd be able to allow that to happen because of any grief. Like, and this is it goes into the really the thing I want to I want to point out to you is is there's something about the holding on to grievances that we have mm-hmm. as human beings. We feel wronged by somebody in the past right. and we bring that in and we carry that narrative from the past of that relationship. And so many people I observe can't get past the grievance and won't let it go or change the relationship to it. And I feel like you have been so great at being able to always leave the door open. Mm. You've always been able to like, you've always been able to create a level of compassion and empathy. And I, I heard it in the way you were, you were even analyzing the scenario you, you encountered, which is where is this coming from? And is there a pattern here? By looking at it that through this lens of objectivity and processing, you're able to come to compassion for that individual that to me creates a, a space for you then to be open to the relationship and not necessarily turn your back to it. How can we be better at letting those grievances go? Because I, oftentimes there's such little things can get in the way of big opportunities and relationships that want to flourish, but get tripped up on the small stuff sometimes. It, what, is there anything you'd share to somebody that maybe has a tendency to burn more bridges than to keep? Like, is it when you, when there's a, when, when you're not burning bridges like that, I mean, the value of a relationship. We know the value of a relationship. Absolutely. One relationship. Yeah. And I'll take that further, Mike. And I'll say, how about the value of the relationship with ourselves? Mm. How often are we creating hardships with ourselves and judgments with Ooh. ourselves? And how often are we not compassionate with ourselves and we're holding a grievance against ourselves? So often mm. our self is the first person that we really have to put on the list of who do I need to forgive? <laughs> All right. Yes, yes. So we'll start with that and how we do that, whether it's with ourselves or with others, is every time a judgment shows up, instead of greeting it with such harshness and nitpicky and all of the feelings that come up around the story you've created, is to look at it with compassion. And that's it. It's just compassion. But how does somebody get, all right, so how does somebody get to compassion though? Getting to compassion, there's there's a step before that to me of like, how do I get compassion though? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to break that at down. Grievance. I'm stuck in grievance mm-hmm. of self, of over-criticizing myself or judgment or of somebody else. But how do I get to, what's the step to compassion? Yeah. So from this, your vantage point. From my vantage point, what I would say the step to compassion is, is in understanding that what we see or the story we're currently telling ourselves is usually not the full story. Mm. So I'll give you another great example. This is great. Had an ex who was very, very judgmental. Uh, if an overweight person would walk through the, uh, the um, God, what is that? The terminal. Not the terminal. The uh, When you're sitting in your car. And the crosswalk. the crosswalk. Thank you. I don't like like the yep. word crosswalk in a mouth. <laughs> so very judgmental ex. Yep. We're sitting in the car. We're at a crosswalk and a heavyweight person walks through that crosswalk. His immediate thought word was, oh, gosh, why don't they run across that crosswalk? They're so fat. They they must overeat. He has the story 
about why this person looks like they do. And he's creating lots of judgment around it. And from where I sit, I'm like, um, okay, strange to me that you even noticed that, but let's go there. Okay. Let's notice that this person is so clearly overweight. Right. My initial thought is, wow, I wonder what's going on because there's lots of reasons people are overweight. Sometimes uh, women who have, uh, or not just women, but uh, children that have experienced sexual abuse often put on lots of weight to create distance between their offenders. And you'll see that show up in adulthood. You will see people who eat as an emotional uh, need because they've had a traumatic childhood or traumas that have happened to them and they choose food as that comfort and food without some discipline around food, diet, right. exercise also creates obesity. Uh, they could be under a medication that is making their body fat. A lot of people think that chemotherapy patients all get skinny and may- emaciated. I can tell you from being in the cancer community that actually yeah. a lot of those drugs make people blow up. Definitely. Where they look unrecognizable. So there's a lot of other things that could be going on. So just from that lens alone, how does someone not show up in compassion when they say there could be another side of the coin here? Thank you for that. That's a, what a great unpacking, because on the one hand, you got someone who thinks they know the scenario, the situation. Right. And on the other hand, you have someone who seeks to want to understand what that situation is and knows that they don't know. Right. As a bridge to compassion, that the old adage of seek to understand to me, is exactly what you communicated here in terms of how one gets compassion. It's, it's to, and to me, it's, it's also in holding the, the, the belief of, I don't know. And I don't need to try to make, create kind of some, right. some bullshit narrative to try to figure it out. And there's something about that, like honoring that as opposed to thinking that we know. Right. And I think that that's, that to me is a universal part of being a human of like, the less we just try to enforce that we're right about whatever and think we know are in advance. Right. To me, is on the other side of everything that we we say we want, yeah. And it's and it's through what you're saying through through seeking to understand and the 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 the, the polarity of that. Yeah. So I, I think that's huge. Is is not bringing that assumption in, or in my case, hearing the in, the inner dialogue of that judge, the inner judge that I know isn't me, mm-hmm. but it's still speaking up and saying some bullshit, right? You know, pointing out attention to someone who's overweight. My part is in like I hear it and I'm just like shut up. <laughs> yeah. Or like, I don't give it value. I don't give it right. weight. Like, I know it's just, uh, I know it's just chatter. Yeah. And it's not me, but it's, it's, that's the practice I have to go through of like, just not knowing that it's there, but just not, not giving it the time of day. Mm-hmm. But in you, I think it's in going that step deeper of like, oh no, there's, this is rather than a simplistic view of how everything works. And that I think I know it all. Things are a little bit more complex under the hood. Yes. I don't need to be so hasty there. Yeah. And even with ourselves, right? That's why I said the biggest judgments usually come from our own, our own mind, especially around ourself or our performance. And it's thinking through that and sitting with it a little bit and saying, where does that actually come from? Is it because my coach was really hard on me growing up? I put a lot of value into that. Were my parents this way? And where do these things show up for me? Seeking to understand yourself will help Mm, you so much in understanding others as well. And also being comfortable with sometimes you don't always have an answer, but the awareness, it's the awareness that's actually almost more important than the answer. 
Because when you have awareness, you can at least stop yourself and go, oh, okay, here it comes. This is showing up for me and identify it. What does this feel like? This feels like pain. This feels like resentment. This feels like abandonment. This feels like whatever. And if you can't identify the exact moment from the past that brought that to you, at least you know what that feeling is and you go, "Mm, okay, I've got this feeling of resentment that's showing up. And can I now make a list, whether it's a journaled list or an internal list that you check off in your mind and go, did I do something to myself? Did I make a bad decision? I'm holding it over my own head. And can I just forgive myself and go, life is a playground. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall down. Let me dust myself up, get back up and start again and let that be a learning. Let it, let me know what it feels like to fall down and go, okay, it hurts a little bit. So we want to avoid falling, but you know what? It's going to happen. We just have to get back up. That's the permission I see you giving anybody with over overbearing control and need uh, to have it figured out or perfect in, in advance. And you, when you lead that way, I see you give that permission. So I, I, I pointed out attention to that earlier, but it's, it's, it just, to me, it's like, that's the gift you, you continually give everyone that gets to see you do that. Yeah. There's something, there's something about seeing somebody do it and go, okay, you know, that wasn't even the thing that I was afraid of wasn't bad and actually bonded her deeper, deeper to that thing. Anyways, it's just, there's something about being able to see it though, even if we're not really ready to make that move for ourselves. Yeah. That is so powerful. I want to do a really quick lightning round with you on a couple of things, because I'm curious, one of the center points of, of you that I feel like is also one of these great gifts that you have is in maintaining such strong relationships and everywhere you go. Like, I feel like you just, you have this, your greatest wealth I, 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 from my vantage point are all these amazing relationships that you've been able to cultivate mm-hmm. from all these different walks of life and people that you have made an impact with that want to continue working with you or maintain that, how you've navigated that lens of the people in your life and everybody you, you, you kind of keep around you that's unique. I'd say if you're really successful and maybe you haven't had a, a strong time with the relationship side of things and cultivating your own network of sorts, how would, like, what would you say are some of those ways of, of leaning in and, and doing more of that? Because that's something that you've done so well. And it's also led to so much further opportunity for you because you've just, you know, I feel like you've just been in a farm growing great crops and continually <laughs> adding more crops to the, to the equation. You know, there's something about Aww. that, that, that I think we all could learn a bit from. Thank you. I love my network. I love my community. I love the people I'm surrounded with. I feel really fortunate. Like I've, I've won the friend lottery for sure in my <laughs> lifetime. And I think so much of that is Again, I'm curious and yeah. I, I just love people. And I know that there's people out there that are like, oh, I hate people. Like, give me all the dogs. Well, you know, forget all the people. <laughs> but I do. I really love people. I love that we're human and, and can be indecisive and complicated, but simple all at the same time. And it's remembering that we are not, we are not that different at the end of the day. So many times separation is being created and that's what just further distances us and continues to distance us as time goes on. That's why creating the compassion, creating the desire to understand where someone else is coming from or what's going on with them is one of those beautiful avenues of compassion that says, oh, this person is is flawed and human and I am too. And we can still function together. We are all like pieces of a puzzle. 
the pieces are all different. They're they're crafted yeah. differently because they in, they need to interlock, and it's the differences that actually make it work. That's why they interlock at the end of the day because they're opposite sometimes. And mm. we, I feel like, as a population, we we tend to undervalue that, and we treat people like they're so differently than us, or that they're so other. Yeah. And it's like, no, like we all get to put our pants on the same way for the <laughs> most part. And so that's the the piece that I'm just like, hmm, yeah, no, I don't want to distance myself from people. I want to draw them in and and un- yeah. I do want to understand. It, but in a way that's unique because you've done it in a way that it's a bridge of uh, building of bridges to people that may not carry the same beliefs you carry uh, or be on the same side of politics that you subscribe to or on the same side of religion that you subscribe to or belief systems and spirituality, like in our relationships rich with that. Yeah. And how you've been able to do it, regardless of what some, you know, uh, who that person is. I feel like you've just, there's something that I feel like we could all learn from in how, and how we can get along better together and, and that we aren't so different. There's something, there's a knowingness to me that I have, but, but being able to embody that and show up in that way is something a bit different. Yeah, it's it really comes down to not making other people wrong when they don't believe what you believe. When their truth is different than yours, how can you honor their truth and not make them wrong? Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest issue. If you think of think of the really big like political issues around like abortion is a great example. Right. If you believe that abortion is killing a baby, if you believe it's killing human life, how do you argue with that? That is this person's core belief is that this is it. So it's it becomes this kind of circular conversation. It's it's why it's it's never going away. There's not a solution for it because you got one group that believes a certain way and one that believes another. And there's right to choose. I mean, there's so many things in that right. one issue. And this is where people get really fired up. And what's crazy to me is I see people get fired up over football games, right? Fights oh, no, people 100%. go to jail. Yeah, 100%. my team is the best team. It's like, calm down, everybody. This is not <laughs> changing your life right now. You know, like, come on. Yeah. So it's those interesting kind of lenses to see where people just get so adamant because they just have Mm. to be so right. And it's in even relationships back to why I believe I'm good with relationships also is because I don't always feel the need to be right. Mm. We all our brain wants us to be right, by the way. So in case any of you are out there going, but I like to be right. I know I'm right. Yeah, because your brain wants you to be right. That's how we again, we go back to protecting ourselves and feeling safe as in being right. But sometimes we have to pause, look at what's going on and say, how important is it for me to be right right now? Mm. And sometimes it's just not. It's just not worth it. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not having to be right all the time. I'd rather salvage the relationship. And every relationship is different too, right? Every relationship has its depths. You and I have been friends for a very long time. We can talk about lots of topics, no problem. We can believe very differently. And at this point, I've embraced you as my dearest friend and it's there's nothing you could say that's going to really offend me. There's no issue you could bring to if you're like, Mary, the earth is flat. I'm like, 
bro, that's great. You can <laughs> I believe in the earth is flat. It's all, it's all good. Like it makes yeah, a difference no, to me. I, I feel that way about you too. Yeah. It, it, it's, and I think that's something you, you uh, like that. That's part of that safe space of like, yeah, you know, there's really, it's safe ground. You know, there's not like we're, but creating that, you know, that we're in a time where we need more of this, you know, mm. it's, we're in a time where, you know, with everyone, like, look, we, there's an algorithm that gets to allow us to get angry and at an exponential rate that we would have otherwise. Yeah. That's banking on our attention and anger. Right. It doesn't matter if it's right, left, whatever. And there's a lot of things that it, it, it what then the message in the, in the, in, in the ethos for the most part is this, it, it's almost like a demonification of the other side. Yeah. Like they're not human anymore. Right. Some kind. Right. And it's just such, such a crazy departure from how similar we all just really are, regardless of your background and yeah. what you actually say you believe. Like, yeah, I think if you get most people in a room, we're going to be pretty aligned on a lot of the same stuff. And, yeah. and I think there's something about that, that it's like, how do we move towards more of a unified front? And maybe maybe it's just uh, maybe it's just part of the noise. People love the drama sometimes. If dramas yeah. weren't addictive, we wouldn't see as so right. many of them on the on the movie screen. Right. When someone is contrarian, they're so mm. absolute and so staunch. Right. Those are my favorite kinds of folks, by the way, to have yeah. conversations with because they're so in their beliefs. And like I said, at the end of the day, I can honor that if that's their truth and they want it to be their truth. Okay. But it doesn't have to be mine. And so that's the part yeah. where I just go, don't infringe on my truth and I'm not going to infringe on yours. Right. And so the, in this moment, how can I greet you with compassion? If you really want to be in your story, whatever it is then you can stay there as long as you want. Mm. If you want my guidance or my advice to give you a different perspective, then I'm, I'm here to give it to you. Or I could just love you like you are and just know like that's where you're at right now. And that's okay. That's okay. We all have a different journey and it's part of honoring that too. And I think this is where parents get stuck with kids a lot mm. as they're trying to force, you know, the better life or the better way. But our kids today didn't have to, you know, walk five miles to school through the snow <laughs> like our parents right. did, you know, so That's right. it's it's yeah. just different. It's things are yeah. just different. And it's understanding that we all operate a little differently, whether it's love languages. I think that's such a big one in understanding how people operate and how people want to feel loved and seen. And at the end of the day, Mike, I believe that great relationships are about seeing and hearing each other. And that's it. Yeah. How can we see and hear each other? And it not have to be more than that and not have to be like, oh, well, now that you're, you know, you're right wing and I'm left wing, then now we can't be yeah. friends. Oh, you like that team. I like this team. We can't be friends. Like, why? What? Yeah. Why? Why are those so necessary? Like in relationships, there's ebbs and flows. And again, we're all different pieces, all cut a little bit differently. And it's about showing up and being able to honor that in another person and not make them wrong for being in their truth. That's it. Mm. Love it. Love it. All right. Last question. Last okay. question. And it's about listening. Listening is, is more than just, let me not say something and you speak. To me, it's, it's you having the space to allow someone to be able to, to say something they wouldn't otherwise say to you. Like just, it, it, there's, there's something about the being open and receptive to be able to listen. And then there's getting out of your own way, mental chatter, being present, like just, being able to hear what the person's saying and pass the words they're saying through to the tone, the tone, the physical 
nature of how they're delivering it to you so that you can actually read what they read what they haven't said to you so you can actually get to the root of it there's something deep and profound about real listening how would i go about taking a step forward in terms of how you listen and how you approach a uh, you know a meaningful conversation so i think the first part of those meaningful conversations with another person and in trying to open space, right? Because usually in the beginning, we want to open space for someone is to ask the question is, do you want me to listen or do you want advice? Mm, oh, that's how often do we not, do we just assume advice, right? That's me as a bad, as a poor husband points <laughs> all the time. I can't, I can't even help myself sometimes. So go on. No, that's, that's yeah. huge though. Sometimes people just need that. to vent or they just need to yes. get the words out. A lot of people process via words. And so just letting some, yes, letting someone just get it all out and letting that Mm. be enough versus someone who's like, I am stuck and here's my story, blah, 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 blah. And can you help me? Right. So that's the difference. That's the difference is in, do I need to be listening because I'm holding space for this person to just get it all out? Or am I listening because they need advice and they're going to seek that from me. And you can also offer to share. So in this moment, is there something mm-hmm. I can share or reflect with you? Or would it feel good for me to just listen to you right now? Right. There's nice yeah. ways to say it. Really good ways to say it and keep it open. And that, again, creates the space. It creates the trust. And sometimes they're going to say, no, I just need you to listen right now. You go, Okay. Take their hand. Listen. That's me. That's me taking you out to sushi over in Sugarland, Texas. And just... <laughs> throwing up on you all the things that make me upset and that I don't know how to handle emotionally and mentally and you being there as just a steward to uh to create the space you know so cathartic and and healing for me so Mm. my own personal experience of you doing that so many times and and its benefits so awesome thank you Mike thank you you're you've you've definitely been someone that's been in my life for a very very long time I look forward to being old folks with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I look forward to it too. We're, we're, uh, you know, uh, I, we were joking. I think you're, you're, uh, you're only halfway there. And I yeah, think this is just halfway. You're stepping into your, your second best half now. So yeah, yeah, I believe that for sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Thanks for hopping on and taking over the mic and interviewing me today. That was really great. My pleasure, Mary. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you so much. And yeah. uh, with that, I'm going to wrap the show. Thank you, friends, for being here today and joining Mike and I. I hope you enjoyed this edition, only our third episode in. And join us next week where Alex Moscow and I are going to be talking about the Abundance Amplifier. We're also going to be talking about the secrets to lasting love. I hope you'll join us and tune in for that special show. Thank you for tuning in today to The Mary D Show. Until next time, may abundance always walk beside you, may joy always go before you, and may love always guide you on your path. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. You can connect with me at www.maryd.com. That's M-A-R-Y-D-E-E.com. Follow and like us at Facebook or Instagram at the Mary D. That's the T H E Mary D M A R Y D E E.